to Thinks Out Loud, your source for all the digital expertise your business needs. Well, hello again, everyone, and welcome back to Thinks Out Loud, your source for all the digital expertise your business needs. My name is Tim Peter. This is episode 366 of The Big Show. And thank you so much for tuning in. I very, very much appreciate it. A few weeks ago, in episode 363, I talked about the future of the metaverse as I see it. And I'd said at the time that I was going to have a friend of mine on to talk about an alternative point of view. And that's what we're going to do today. We're very, very lucky to have with us internationally recognized authority in the field of hospitality marketing, Lauren Gray. Uh, Lauren has risen through all kinds of facets of the hospitality industry, from property to corporate and branded and independent, and then becoming a partner in one of the largest agencies in uh, the industry before creating his own firm. He has appeared in international conferences spanning the hospitality and digital marketing industries. He's spoken at events across the U.S., Canada, the Caribbean, Australia, China, and Europe. He's contributed to publications such as the New York Times, USA Today, Financial Times, Wall Street Journal, and numerous trade journals. He's received multiple awards, and he hosts the globally recognized live streaming podcast This Week in Hospitality Marketing that reaches thousands each week in over 39 countries. And we are very lucky to have with us today, Mr. Lauren Gray. Right. And I will behave myself. I won't talk about you bringing me via private charter to an amazingly gilded studio <laughs> with uh, golden statues and signed autographed pictures of famous people. No, I won't mention that at all. <laughs> all right. So, Lauren, you and I have known each other for, good Lord, 20 years probably, the better part of 20 years, 15 to 20. Uh, yes. So I know you really well. But for the folks who are listening to this podcast, tell us about yourself, a little bit about yourself. Well, we can go back to when I was born, born, born as a small child in the suburbs, <laughs> but I think we'll jump up to the past 40 years of my life working in hospitality. Um, there we go. Yes. Uh, coming from uh, being a certified chef, restaurants, owning restaurants, running restaurants, got into hotels via food. So I was a foodie. Uh, we moved up into the ranks, became uh, every department head, then GM, then regional, then corporate, and then uh, independent. And here I am. So pretty much I've, I've run the wonderful joy of running hotels, running restaurants and hotels, running resorts. Uh, just And then now the real fun of being able to deal with people globally uh, to solve all of their fun issues that they have at their hotels and restaurants. So, that's... And, and, and particularly using digital, right? I mean, you've been a digital guy for yeah. the, the, certainly as long as I've known you. Yeah, I, it, it had, it started in the inception of being a, a well, back in the day, e-commerce, right? It used to be the right. e-commerce right. Yep. Uh Went into digital. Um, it's kind of grown because as digital has grown into every facet of how yeah. our businesses now work, uh, my, my questions that get asked of me now go beyond just the marketing spectrum into mm -hmm. the tech stacks, the interfaces, data collections, data usages, uh, assimilation training, uh, how to search and find HR. It, it begins to broaden out because as, as it does, it connects to so many things now. So, Yeah, right. Exactly. Well, I, the way I always like to say it is people carry the internet in their pocket. So no mm -hmm. doubt that it's going to actually connect with every single part of what we do in our day-to-day -day lives and in our businesses, right? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. All right. So so just some background as to why you're here, you know, you are a tech optimist, 
you are also one of the most creative thinkers I know. Uh, you, you, you know, really think about things um, from a very specific perspective and a perspective that I enjoy because it, it forces me to question my assumptions a lot. So, you know, obviously there's a lot of hullabaloo this year, a lot of talk this year about the metaverse, a lot of talk about VR, a lot of talk about AR. And I've, I've gone on record with my point of view. And the reason you're here is to kind of provide an alternative point of view. So my question for you is, what's your favorite thing about VR specifically? We'll get into the metaverse more generally in a moment. Mm -hmm. But when we talk about VR and the like, talk to me about what you love about it. Right now, I, I would like to preface most of my answers to the as is to what we're discussing, because yeah. what yeah. we see as is now, I don't feel will be the iteration of what's to come for both VR and AR. But yep. as is, I think the optimism of what it can provide for segments of our society mm -hmm. that are excluded from more broader interactions of things. I think of people that can't travel or physically do things that they used to do. I think that affords a unique opportunity for them to experience things that they just wouldn't be able to do in, in the real world. Um, yep. I, I think that, that right now, uh, that is the prime positive of what VR and AR, in my mind, uh, represent to us. Yep, got it. So when you're talking about VR and AR, is there one you're more bullish on? Is there one you're less bullish on? Is it you're equally bullish, but different time frames? You know, when you're talking about this stuff, where where do you see us? And and where do you see us, you know, a couple years down the road? Not 10, sure. not 20, but, you know, the next few years, right? Sure. I, I think from a timetable, if it was a race between the two, AR will be more ingrained into opportunity and uh, usabilities for us yep. uh, in the near future, more so than VR. However, from a perspective of long-term impact value, I think that VR will become all that it's hopefully intended to be. Uh, in the years to come. So from a time sense, I think AR, we're seeing it already with Google Lens, Google Photo, mm -hmm. uh, already already creeping into usabilities for the common person. Yep, got it. And what are your favorite things about the metaverse more generally? You know, if we if we kind of pull back a little bit, look at a longer term or, or wider usage than we're seeing now, you know, what are the kinds of things that excite you or get you going, yeah, that's really cool? Yeah. <laughs> I think that the unique part of VR and the the value as is, is the um, ability to interact. For us to present content that was hard to present before in an interactive way. Um, we, 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 we always say pictures worth a thousand words, video should be worth a million or whatever for, mm -hmm. for, you know, things we throw around it. VR is a chance to um, have the unique inter interaction of visually and in presence uh, that just that two-dimensional perspective doesn't often give you. I think that's the real unique thing that it has as a value proposition right now as is. What I see as one of the challenges with VR at the moment, and again, this, this isn't to be like a whole point counterpoint or anything, hmm. but one of the challenges I see with the immersion, I agree with you, the immersion is amazing. I also find it is somewhat disconnecting. You know, the analogy that I have used more than once is it reminds me in the early days of the internet 
you know, your computer was either in an office in your house or was in, I mean, it was in your office at work, obviously, but at home, it was in your office or it was in an alcove in the kitchen. And to access the internet, you had to disconnect from the real world, right? You had to step away from the people and the, the people around you to go online, right? I mean, even the, even the, the terminology was, <laughs> I'm going to leave here and go online. And mm -hmm. VR, to me, I still think one of its major hurdles is that it is still that go online experience, right? It disconnects you from the the world you're in for better and worse, right? Not better or worse, but both, right? Mm -hmm. You know, can you talk a little bit about how that immersion, the benefits of that immersion, Sure. I, I kind of equate it to a good book because yep. we do the same with a good book. Yep. Uh, when, when I go to read a book, I'm not paying attention to my surroundings. I mean, I'm mentally engaging with what I'm reading. Oh, we do it with our podcasts, even the audio portion, the voice sure, in the head. Sure. And I think VR represents that as well. But we're also seeing in VR um, the transition of the technology as is that's trying to address that interface. And now we're really more talking about AR because we're looking at mm -hmm. or engaging in our real world, but also including things that don't exist in our real world visually. Yep. Um, there are more and more apps that are coming in VR. Uh, um, the recent Meta headset, the Pro that came out, is very AR focused where uh, it, it enhanced its ability to visually see the surrounding areas of the user. Uh, to interact with it so that you can create virtual mm -hmm. activities within, you know, your 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 real world space. Um, I see other, uh, there's a really neat program called World, W-O-O-R-L-D, that uh, puts a board of a map in front of you in three dimension. And you can go anywhere mm -hmm. in the world and look at places and zoom in and zoom out. And you can share it with other people that aren't in your real world space to collaborate on when we get here, we want to walk around here or whatever. The interaction of visual engagement to your real space, I think is a progression, uh, a work in progress for it, for the AR value of VR. But you're right, VR is an immersive, I'm going to go into it now, and what yep. is where I'm at is no longer relevant to me, absolutely. Yeah, I'm, I'm gonna ask you about use cases in a minute, but what you just described the world is interesting. You know, the use case I've wanted to see for years is where, you know, somebody's playing video golf, right, as a for instance, you know, and you're, you're on some really cool course that you might not have the opportunity to play or you, it might be a life once in a lifetime experience or something along those lines. And, you know, you finish with the 18th green and you're able to, you know, walk off the golf course into the lobby of the resort and make a reservation or something along those lines. Like, it just seems like such a natural to me to, to expose folks mm -hmm. to something and then use that as a transition as a transition to commerce at some point i'm a little disappointed yes. we're not there yet but maybe i'm wrong maybe there's something I'm missing there uh, no no we're not there yet and unfortunately the universe the metaverse uh <laughs> is coined uh is is still dictated by the vision of a few and yep. it isn't yep. isn't guided by the populace of of interest uh, so for that reason, everything is presented in context of, is it a controllable? Is it a measurable? Is it a marketable? And yep. uh, that is always going to be prohibitive as to what you just said creatively of like, why couldn't there be an engagement relationship between the VR engagement and the real world experience? Absolutely. Yeah, got it. Are there any use cases? So I just gave one example, you know, that, that's always been in my head, but are there any use cases that you think are either here now or coming soon? 
you know, that, that people who are, whether they're in travel, whether they're in hospitality, whether they're, you know, business owners, whether they're business managers, you know, that they ought to be watching for, like what's, what's either here or right on the horizon that, you know, people ought to be looking out for. Well, if we're doing it by numbers and by by context of, of audience, right now we're around 16 million engaged users for uh, VR headsets is the sales mm-hmm. figure mm-hmm. that we're aware mm-hmm. of. It's estimated to come around 18 million by the beginning of next year via the Christmas holiday. That's what that's, ad, that's annual, right? That's uh, yeah. so it's not. It's uh, just to, just to clarify, it's not existing user because I think the user base is somewhere around uh, 80 to 100 million. But you're saying we're doing yeah. about 15, 18, 20 million a year, yeah. right? Yeah. Got it. Okay. And, just and, and so 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 you you have this audience, and it's global, uh, depending upon yep. income and availability of internet and so forth, the conditions of it. Um, but you have it at different levels, and of course, uh, I think unfortunately VR and AR are caught into this bad loop that um, it's been used as a whipping stick of uh, future fear. Like, oh my gosh, if you notice most of the commercials related to future technology, they're slapping a <laughs> VR headset on people. Um, uh, you know, the idea of Matrix and all these other things come to mind as to, and there's even shows on Hulu and Netflix now that are about virtual worlds that you put a headset on and poof, you're gone somewhere right, else. Right, right. Or, or one, you know, heavily maligned movie that came out just a few months ago, right? Yes, yes. Absolutely. Because we all as a society need our villains and we also yeah, need sure, our, sure. our icons of, of reflection as to past and present. I mean, we, we think generationally, we look back and, and movies were made about certain genres of time frames because of the the demographics of the people watching those movies. So we're sure. we're at, we're at slaves to our perceptions of examples of things. And VR, unfortunately, <laughs> has been put into that loop that yep. VR is the vision of the future and that it's either mocked or it's highlighted. But either which way, it's put into an artificial world of expectation. Um, the reality, and that's why I kept thinking that as our discussion goes today, as is, is the more relevant way of perceiving the value proposition of the product. Right now, there is an affordable product out there, uh, the Oculus Quest 2. And I say affordable, meaning that it's around $400. Right, right. Yep. Uh, there's much more expensive versions. There's a whole tech associated with whether or not you get better resolution, plugged in computers and all that. But the reality <laughs> of it is it's an attainable threshold of $400, just like an Xbox or uh, right. uh, a PS2 or something. Right. So, five. So and, the, and cheap when we compare it to what a laptop or a desktop yes. computer cost 30 years ago, right? I mean, yes. in, real, in real dollar terms, it's actually very affordable. Mm-hmm. And, and through the usages of people, one of the, the first things are is engagement like games and so forth. So you have a heavy yeah. adoption on certain skewed things, and that means demographics as well. Certain yeah. demographics follow the certain trend to it. So those people have influence on purchases, but the, it, everyone's trying to shift to the business side. As what had just happened with Meta and their newest headsets, um, the limitations of the technology are, are as big as downfall right now. People complain that you couldn't see my facial expressions in VR mm-hmm. because there was no way mm-hmm. for it to be presented. Well, have, you know, a new headset has cameras facing into your face so you can smile and make faces and your avatar, your virtual representation in VR um, reflects that. Um, the fact that you, there's, there's no legs to people <laughs> in VR is because there's no way to measure motion. And, you know, and there's, there's third party stuff that does all this, but the idea of, of uh, condemning it for the future on what it's, it's supposed to represent and it's not fulfilling that is a takeaway from what it is as is. And to go to your, your question, as is, it's remarkable that I can go and be on Mount Everest and look mm-hmm. around as if I'm standing mm-hmm. there. Uh, and, you know, we've gone through this and it's fun. It, it, right now it's an entertainment value. What we, to the monetization yep. engagement, it's not there. Am I buying a ticket to go to Mount Everest? No. Um, but 
the things that I see that I enjoy is I can be on a beach uh, just north of me, Anna Maria, and, and, and be on the beach for 30 minutes where the guy put a 360 camera in the sand and let it mm -hmm. sit there for 30 minutes. Mm -hmm. And so in our world of hospitality, if I want to get a sense of what a place is like, uh, from a from a first person POV point of view, mm -hmm. uh, then VR begins to have a value proposition because I can actually give that to somebody if they're aware of it being available in the medium and if they have the medium to use it. So it's so you're seeing it right at the moment. I mean, the the, the use case that you think is more interesting at the moment. I'm not trying to put words in your mouth. Mm. I'm just this is more of a I, a friend of mine always likes to say. I think I heard what you thought you said. Right? <laughs> it, it's it's a storytelling vehicle. It's a it's a way to invite people into a story that they can experience in the real world, or that they or maybe can extend the real world, mm -hmm. in hopes of actually getting them to engage with the real world later, or at a minimum, put it on their bucket list, put it on their you know watch list of things they want to do. Is that a fair restatement? Yeah, it is. Of it? It is. I, I think uh, I've seen aspects of attempting to monetize that relationship. There was a platform out for a while. It's still there, but it's, it's not been added to in a while, mm -hmm. called Melody. Mm -hmm. And what they did was they put some very nice high-res 360 3D cameras around the stage of famous artists. And you mm -hmm. could pay it for a ticket and stand right next to a Kelly Clarkson by her on the end of the stage with tens of thousands of people around her or back by the bass player or back by the drummer. Mm -hmm. Or in the in the in the in the, the the nosebleed seats, or right up at the front row, and it gave you a chance to experience the concert first person as if you were there. Yeah, yeah, neat stuff. But against you know, from a perspective of monetization and and, a, and an audience that's willing to fund that kind of thing, it didn't mm -hmm. it didn't hit that threshold for them. So, you and know, maybe they were just too soon, right? I mean, maybe. you think about you think about things like Webvan back in the the dot com days. You mm -hmm. think about things like Pets.com in the dot com days. There are now working versions of those, just not those specific companies. So the idea yeah. was good. They may have just been a little premature on it. A little bit ahead of themselves. And, and I think uh, my optimism for what the usability can be is uh, kind of similar to what I use VR for during the lockdown that we had. Mm -hmm. Of Again, going back to what you think you heard is genuinely true, of being able to go to the Sistine Chapel and look up at the ceiling and, as yeah. if I was there. Uh, to yeah. going to Notre Dame, to going to uh, Greece. To, to, to I mean, I didn't even know some of the islands in Greece, but I got to go visit them. There's a wonderful VR program called Wander. Uh, mm. And literally mm -hmm. what Google Street View is, you can be anywhere there. Now, it doesn't always mean the pictures are fantastically awesome or most recent, but that's Google Street View. Uh, but yeah. you can go yeah. to places and see what it's like to be standing there. I find that very neat in the sense of the research component, the discovery component of what we look at when it comes to hospitality marketing. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense. When when do you think, you know, you've talked about sales figures and things along those lines a little bit. You know, when do you think we're going to see mainstream adoption of the metaverse? And I'm using, I'm putting air quotes around two different terms there. One is mainstream and one is metaverse. So, you know, if you could kind of let me know what you're thinking in terms of what mainstream looks like and what the metaverse looks like and when we might be there to whatever those theirs are as you define them. Sure. I think in the next 24 months, we are going to see the other players step into the space that has been pretty much dominated by a single entity. It's not saying that they're the only headset in town, uh, but Meta is basically the only affordable headset in town. We're still waiting for the Apple version of yep. its perspective, yep. if it's even going to be in this perspective. Uh, yep. We're looking at the Microsoft, let's get it out of the business model into the personal model. I yep. think... 
If anything, TikTok has shared with us is that there are no absolutes to thinking that there can never be another social platform. Oh, sure, sure. Um, you know, we've we've witnessed the, the 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 changes in Facebook and Twitter, obviously, and so forth. Um, and so, for that reason, I would make the context of the timeline of of mainstream adoption. It's going to be, I think, more a product than it is a process. It's where the product satisfies enough of the interest and those that are already interested uh, that it becomes a usable component to their purpose of use, whatever their purpose, yep. whether it's gaming or not. So I think it's a product. I think all the people that are tattooed with an apple, as you like to refer to them, um, <laughs> and, and, and you know, but, but when Apple comes out and says, yes, you can wear this headset and with your phone and your watch, you don't need your laptop. Holy bejeebies. That's great. You know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, who knows what those iterations are going to be? Uh, right now, we're seeing incremental solutions to the technology. Uh, like I said, going back to the Metaverse headset, we're seeing some things that get added to the new headset, but the negative is the perception of the, the cost and everything else. So it's, it's stumble steps, it's way forward. So the, meta, the mainstream adoption, I think, will be event-driven, uh, product-driven, I should say. And the Metaverse usage, I think, will never be in just the total immersion VR that we're talking about. We're not talking about Oasis out of Ready Player One. Yeah, I think that yeah. will exist. I think those things will exist, but I don't think they're going to be the second earth uh, things yeah. uh, where, you know, you buy a piece of land on a virtual world and, you know, you now control financial capabilities of a virtual space. I think it's going to be a mixture of those things through the portal of AR. The usage of AR will yeah, be the catalyst yeah. for the technology, I think. You think that's the you think that's the the um, gateway drug into yeah it is uh, I think yeah, they are yeah. the gateway drug because it's already happening yeah and whatever Google comes up with in its new iteration of headset mm -hmm. minus the Google glasses that it used to have mm -hmm. <laughs> um, oh oh you're the one you're that one there <laughs> I mean we're already seeing it where it's becoming socially acceptable Ray Ban with Meta with the uh, the Ray Ban with the the cameras yep yep sure yep. there's positive negatives to that obviously. Um, you have the Snapchat glasses and so forth. Yeah, you're seeing more of this. The POV uh, little cameras that uh, I use and have and so forth. Uh, mm -hmm. Those things, those things are uh, in our society now, and they're getting more used. We're, we're very, as a society, we're more and more used to uh, watching the news and seeing where's the camera footage. Yeah. We expect yeah. cameras to be everywhere. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's where the AR component will. As you say, be a gateway process, and then the VR usage of the technology that is being used for AR will be the catalyst into looking for and exploring that unplugging from the real world, going to the metaverse thing. So, so I said we weren't going to do a point counterpoint. I am going to do one small counterpoint here, <laughs> not because I disagree with you. I actually, I actually do agree uh, with you with the caveat that I think it's more the killer app than the hardware. You know what I mean? Mm. Like, I, I think like uh, like when spreadsheets came for desktop computers or when the mm. App Store came for mobile or, you know, Mist for the home PC and things along those lines, you know, where the things that went people run out to get the thing, you know, I, I, I do agree with you. The hardware still needs improvement. Um, but that's probably a problem that's going to be solved in relatively short order. I think mm -hmm. it's going to be a game or an entertainment experience or a business application or something is the thing that is lacking today that causes people to want the hardware. You know, it, it, it reminds me the first time I used, uh, you mentioned Second Life before, you know, the, the thing that it reminds me of was the first time I was on Second Life, I was like, interesting, now what? Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and that's kind of been my experience with with 
a handful of exceptional use cases. That's kind of in my experience with with a lot of VR specifically. AR, I agree with you a thousand percent. I think that's kind of sneaking its way into our lives every day in a way that it isn't getting the same attention as VR. Mm -hmm. But uh, but I do no. think there's going to be one of those. You know, there's going to be an app where all of a sudden people are going to go, oh. Now I really want one of those. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we've had our stutter steps, and I, I actually agree with you. I think that will be the catalyst of the adoption of the hardware that was already there um, and the expansion of the hardware to match the interest in the, the software. Mm -hmm. I do definitely. I mean, we look at the Pokemon craze. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. You know, people died trying to play Pokemon, for goodness sakes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and, and, and you thought, oh, my gosh, AR is here. People have now wholesale adopted it. No, it died because, as you pointed out with Second Life, what's next? Okay, I can right. chase little right. virtual animated creatures around. What else is there? And, and I've had AR. I've, I've, I've impressed people with putting AR in their environment. I can pick a point, point on a map and say go there, and mm -hmm. I can have an AR thing there and so forth. But the, the usability and the adoption and the value proposition it represents for those that write checks isn't there. Yeah. Yep. Um, but yes, I, I definitely see it being one of those things. I mean, going back to like uh, Minority Report where Tom Cruise has the screens in front of me, he's doing oh, the Oh, yeah, hand. yeah, yeah. You can do this in VR. It's not as, you know, the, I mean, your hand gestures can do right. that. Right. But the, the, but the reality of it is the headset gets heavy on the head. The batteries yep. don't last as long. And yep. the interfaces aren't as slick as what he was using. So right. the, the vision's there. But I think, as you said, technology will catch up with it. But when the function is there, that's when you're really going to get the adoption. I, I definitely, I think that you have a, a great addition to that. That, that makes perfect sense. I mean, yeah, it sounds like we agree. So it'd be yeah, really we weird if we I was do. like, it'd be really yeah. weird if I was like, that doesn't make any sense at all. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's totally off base, Lauren. I have never said that before. No, I guess. <laughs> so we've talked about some of the, uh, you know, limitations that exist right now. But let's turn this back to the positive, right? What stories can you share about where companies are finding success with these tools? And again, you can define success however you want. It doesn't always have to be money in this specific case. Sure. And 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 I think success sometimes, as I mentioned, is just the, the fact that it worked. Um, we, right, I the think learning you get from it, right? The learning yeah. from the experience. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I've, I've, I've had, and I think you've shared this also by testing out VR as well, that um, you, you, you can meet with clients and, and have virtual meetings. And, oh, sure. Uh, and, you know, yes, you, it, 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 as productive as you are in person, no. Uh, more novelty, more conversation, great. You have a whiteboard. By the time you learn how to use the whiteboard, you've taken 20 <laughs> minutes to figure it out. <laughs> Um, you know, all good stuff like that. Uh, I think, I think that, those are things that they work because I'm not going to go to England and have an in-person meeting. And I'm also necessarily Zoom yeah. and any other two-dimensional uh, screen usage. It, it, it just, it was a novel, novelly different way of doing it. That being said, I think also um, some of the uh, off-branded successes that I've had is uh, the platforms like, uh, I love mind mapping. And uh, strangely enough, it's hard to convey everything that you put into a mind map when you're just showing it in mm. two-dimensional space. Uh, there's a platform that I use that I actually brought somebody in to my mind map, which was scary to them first because it's all three-dimensional <laughs> stuff. So picture my mind in the size of a warehouse, virtual warehouse, with little, little lines with dots and squares and circles. That is, and that is frankly terrifying. It is, it is. Yeah. It was like, <laughs> first thing I got was, oh, my God, what is this? And I'm like, oh, it's just a thought I had. And it's like, yeah, okay. Um, but I think communication-wise, it's, it's the, the successes I've had have been about sharing ideas and or sharing communication. And I think this also lends itself to the future value of it in some senses. 
we still, in the reality of our working space, have certain criteria thresholds. Um, we have the "I must be in front of you" physical conversations. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. We have the on the other, and then on the other end of the spectrum, we have a "Can I just do an email?" kind of conversations. Yeah. Yep. In the middle between both of those, there is the. I really would like to have an engaging conversation with you, and mm -hmm. I need to have it to be more valuable than a visual uh, Zoom call. I need to have something that we can interact with and so forth. Yeah. And, and I think this is a neat little place for it to drop in because that's where I've had success with it with clients is having that additional engagement without the commitment of having to actually physically be in front of them. It was yeah. a nice, uh, you know, interim kind of thing to this. Um, but that that answers to you some of the smaller successes. I, and then that puts to scale why it's not quite where it needs to be to be of more value to us uh, from from a business perspective yet. Got it. Got it. Cool. All right. Well, we're coming up on time. Is there anything we didn't talk about that you'd like to share? Well, I think you gave me the, the questions of what do you see short versus long. I want to oh, put yeah, maybe an, yeah. an interim thing to this, and that is I think one of the things that we're on the threshold of as is technology-wise mm -hmm. right now mm -hmm. is the ability for live engagement. Um, when I say this, I, I made the, analogy, the, the reference to the, the concert as one example, but that was a recorded mm -hmm. concert. Mm -hmm. That wasn't a live concert. Um, watching a sporting event, you already know the score too. Um, I find it fascinating that uh, on, on the VR, there's there's a variety of, of contributors, channels. I have my own even that mm -hmm. I put 3D, 360 stuff on from, from cameras that I use and mm -hmm. so forth. And uh, some people have done amazing job of recording events, uh, but they're recordings. I'm beginning to see with the bandwidth capabilities in certain markets and so forth, the idea of a live engagement. Mm -hmm. um, there are, are already classrooms that I can join, and they look like a classroom. I mean, it's a virtual classroom, and, yeah. and and I'm sitting wherever I want to in the room, whether you know somebody else is there or not. I can still sit in the same seat, so to speak. <laughs> and so, if I want to be close to be teacher's pet in the front or be the person in the back waving my hand, I can choose that. Yeah. The live the live engagement portion of it, I think, is an untapped resource for us as an industry because think about tours. Okay, I want to go to a certain place, but I'm not too sure. Join yeah. a tour. And then yeah. walk around with a person in real time. I think, again, back to the exposure of product, it'll eventually be one of those things where it'd be a tool for discovery mm -hmm. in a way that will be unique. And then going back to my original value proposition of VR, for those that no longer can travel that way, it gives oh, sure. them an opportunity to firsthand experience it again as best as the technology as is can provide. Well, and I think that's, I, I do think that's an often overlooked and or at least often overlooked by me use case, you know, that has tremendous capabilities. You know, when we talk about people who are, um, you know, dealing with whatever issues they are dealing with that make travel difficult for them, uh, people who are immunocompromised and can't go to certain places, like I think it'd be neat for people who can't go to someplace like Sagrada Familia in Spain mm -hmm. to walk around and experience that in some way. That would be really, really cool. So I think that's a very, very interesting idea and a very cool concept. Mm -hmm. um, anything else that you'd like to talk about? No, I think that, I mean, again, uh, the preface of all of this is as is. I don't want to presumptively heap on what this uh, technology will become as a, as, a, as a validation of what it should, should uh, eventually mm -hmm. be in our society. Because I think it's going to be limited by the people that control it, uh, who has influence on the technology. And we haven't seen that really come true yet because two of the largest players, three of the largest players, Apple, Google, and Microsoft, have yet to step into this space. So we're only seeing the world's opportunity from one 
direction right now. We're seeing yeah. it from one vision. Yep. And, and, and I think that once we see more of the industry step into it, I think we're going to see a broader idea of what this potential of it could be. Very cool. So I'm going to ask you a question. One last question, even Ooh. though I that was the last question. But do you have any concern? I This hadn't occurred to me until what you just brought up a moment ago. Is there any concern that, you know, the Apples of the world, the Googles of the world, particularly having been stung a little bit by glass, um, the Amazons of the world, are sitting on the sidelines waiting to see if Facebook actually gets any traction here before they make a move? Or is it just, uh, it's just the time it takes for them to bring product to market um, and they will do this. They're just, you know, they're just not there yet. I think I think it's uh, let the first falter and the rest will fill in the gap. I, it's kind of fun. We, before, prior to our conversation today, we talked about uh, historically uh, the the merits of old shows and old music, where the in, in the in, the implication of the show or the implication of the words didn't say exactly what they're referring, but you know what they were referring to. Oh, sure. The you subtext. I mean? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, exactly. yeah. Thank yeah. you. The subtext yeah. of that. And I think what that means is that for us as a society, because now I listen to music and I'm like, we would never use those words in a song 15, 20 years ago, 25 years ago. Yep. We would refer to something implying that word, yep. perhaps, but sure. we wouldn't exactly say the word. And there was huge, you know, the G ratings and the movie ratings that were developed back in the time because of the social uh, acceptance of things. Right. Sneak, sneaking one past the censors, I think they usually call it. Yes, thank you. Well, yeah. I yeah. think yeah. that in a strange way, metaphorically, is what we're looking at now is the, oh my gosh, you have you have a camera on your face? Oh, I'm out of here. Unless you shut that off and take it off your face, Google yep. Glasses, yep. I'm not going to talk to you because I don't know if you're recording me, blah, blah, blah. Yep. That dulling of society's general acceptance. Before, if you had a camera on your front door, oh my gosh, you, you wait a minute, you're recording me when I walk up to your front door? Yeah, yeah. Now it's like, where's the camera of that person walking up to my front door? So the acceptance of or tolerance of what this technology represents, I think is kind of where the bit of the waiting game is coming into them is because they're kind of seeing if we're going to reintroduce glasses that do some of the things we had to do before mm -hmm. AR wise, mm -hmm. is it going to be, you know, spurned as it was back then? Or is it going of a, yeah, okay, I get it now. It's okay. You know, just yeah, that's let me know point. if it's on yeah. or let me know if it's off kind of thing. Not a big, like, Oh my gosh, I'm not going to talk to you or tear that thing off your face or something. So, uh, or give you a derogatory name. Um, <laughs> I, I think, I think, I think that is some of it. And also to, to be fair, I think Apple is looking at where they, they first step because Apple is about a, a way of doing things that's not been done yet. In lots of ways, they take the mm -hmm. best of what is opportunity and make it unique to themselves. And they're not uh, against cannibalizing their previous right. hardware. They don't, do a, they don't do a me too kind of product. They try to right. do something that is distinct. innovative. Yeah, I get yeah. That. And if this yeah. is going to do this, is it going to replace a product that's in existence? Everybody knows the phone's going to go away, but what is it going to become is a question mark. Mm-hmm. You know, in the sense, and I'm not talking just in overall, is it going to be a little badge on our front like Star Trek or is it going to be a, a watch that we wear that does everything that we need? I mean, mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Or where is this going to go? Because nobody wants to put a square little face thing on the side of their head all the time. It's just right. one of right. those things. But but what it does for us, we don't want to lose. So what right. is it going to become? Right. Yeah, uh, and I think I think this is where those things begin to land. Is will we begin to augment some of uh, that technology with a visual component to it that we don't have to put to the side of our head, kind of thing? Yeah, yeah, I, I I I generally agree. I think there's I think there's a place for um, 
you know, I'm coining a term right now that I've never said before, but, you know, screens of various sizes, right? I'm trying to come up with something that's mm -hmm. like rodents of unusual sizes, um, you know, <laughs> right? Where... I, I don't where, think that word means what you think it means. Yeah, exactly. But, you know, <laughs> but that the, the, the there are places where, you know, the screen that is watch size or or the auditory experience, you know, I'm an Apple guy, right? Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm wearing an Apple watch. I, we, I use Google AirPods and the like. There are times when, you know, Siri talking in my ear and the watch showing me something on my screen is sufficient. There's times where I want a somewhat bigger screen like my phone. There's times where I want a much bigger screen like my laptop or my mm -hmm. iPad. And I do think you raise an interesting point of, a very interesting point of, when does AR or VR step in and become that screen of various size, right? The next bigger screen that mm -hmm. that takes it over. I, I actually do agree with you that quote unquote phones will go away at some point. I suspect right. we will have a phone size screen in our pockets for a long time to come. We may not mm -hmm. pull it out of our pockets as often, right? Mm-hmm. No, I, I agree with you. And, and, and strangely enough, the first person experience, going back to a question you had asked earlier, is when uh, we were displaced by the hurricane and we were in a hotel room. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, my, my laptop screen, bless its little heart, was fine for most stuff, but I had some serious crunching. I'm, I'm familiar with multi-screens. I'm, I'm, I'm that, oh, sure. you know, too much, you know, squirrel. Um, <laughs> so uh, I put my VR headset on that I did bring with me. Figure that. Of all the things you're going to carry with you, and I decided to bring a VR headset, um, yeah. I put it on so I could be in uh, the room, and I used the, one of the platforms, uh, Workspace, to go over and do this. And I could see my keyboard, my real keyboard, which is a mm -hmm. function of being able to do that because I look when I type. But mm -hmm. I had the ability to put very large multiple screens in front of me virtually. Mm -hmm. I mean, I could mm -hmm. see my hotel room in black and white, mm -hmm. uh, but I could see these big screens, and I could move and interact and use my mouse and do all the stuff I would do because I needed the extra screens. So it's it's already kind of answering to that. That goes to the business of what you can use it for now as is. Mm -hmm. uh, but it's still heavy on the face. Battery life only lasts so long. And eventually you just get tired of looking down at little ghosty hands on a keyboard. And you just want to go back to, okay, fine. I got that work done. Let me take my headset off and go back to my laptop. It's not there yet. Um, but I see the potential of it being potentially something like that, especially in an AR-controlled environment that's smaller and lighter. Absolutely. Makes total sense. And that seems like a perfect place to draw our conversation to a close, Mr. Gray. Uh, for people who are interested in learning more about you and all the fun stuff that makes you who you are, where can they find you on these interwebs? Oh, I was going to say on the post office wall, but no. Okay. Um, <laughs> I don't even know if people relate to that anymore is what that means. <laughs> uh, you can find me always. I'll answer all emails that come to me for everything that we do. Uh, it's Lauren at hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com. And, of course, uh, website is hospitalitydigitalmarketing.com. You can get me there, too. So, Perfect. Lauren Gray, thank you very much. Thank you, Mr. Tim. Always a pleasure. And thank you very much to Lauren Gray for being our guest this week on Things Out Loud. Looking at the clock on the wall, though, we are out of time for this week. I want to remind you, you can find the show notes for today's episode, as well as an archive of all our episodes, by going to timpeter.com slash podcast. Again, that's timpeter.com slash podcast. Just look for episode 366. Don't forget, you can click on the subscribe link in any of the episodes you find there to have Thinks Out Loud delivered to your favorite podcatcher every single week. You can also find Thinks Out Loud on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher Radio, Spotify, Overcast, anywhere fine podcasts are found. 
While you're there, I would also very much appreciate it if you could provide a positive rating or review for the show. It helps new listeners find the podcast, it helps them understand what we're all about, and it helps get the word out about things out loud. It means so very much to me, and it helps build our community. I would really appreciate it. You can also find Thinks Out Loud on LinkedIn by going to linkedin.com slash timpeterassociates. You can find me using the Twitter handle at tcpeter. And of course, you can email me at podcast at timpeter.com. Again, that's podcast at timpeter.com. With all that said, I do want to say once again how much it means to me that you tune into Thinks Out Loud every single week. I hope you have a great rest of the week. I hope you have a wonderful weekend, and I'll look forward to speaking with you here on Thinks Out Loud next time. Until then, please be well, be safe, and as always, take care, everybody. Everybody.